Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome back to another audio recording that we're sitting down and doing today. <laughs> now, I was going to say that it's another, it's a little segment that we're doing, but it's it's a proper. This is just content. I don't this, know if you can call this, this like a side segment. No, this you is know, a show. This is now. just this is a show. Um, this is a show. So this man. one, if you if you haven't read the title, this is another episode of Why Before You Buy. Now, if this is just maybe you're listening to it out of order, this is your first episode, or um, you know you're returning but you've forgotten. I'll go over it a little bit. Uh, why before you buy is a little segment that we do or a little show we do where you know we're going through that the extra Dungeons and Dragons um, 5e content you know kind of going through it giving you a little breakdown of the content inside of it going over prices and then um, core and non-core you know like official and unofficial who the heck is that um, it's Cody, baby. You <laughs> always am, know it's me. I am, this of course, my joined by Cody and Sky. Um, <laughs> because why before you buy wouldn't be it without us three. Uh, but yeah, and then we go over and we kind of just see uh, if it's going to be worth it and kind of just give you the perspectives of, like, you know, who it's going to be the best uh, suited for. Now, um, I don't want to take anything away from the main attraction because we're here. And I don't know if you've caught on or maybe you're just listening out of order, um, but we are all helming different you know, segments and expansions and stories as we go. Um, now, Cody's done one, and I've done one. And they say one out of three people hasn't done one. <laughs> <laughs> and that leaves the black sheep of our family. <laughs> the resident goth. The resident goth, Sky. What are you going to be talking to us today about? Well, as the resident goth, um, I feel it is only <laughs> appropriate... Um, that we review the 2020 um, revamped Curse of Strahd Collector's Edition. See what they did there? <laughs> revamped? <laughs> revamped. It Whoa. was a pun. Can you believe that? It was a, <laughs> it was a pun. <laughs> a knee slapping good time had by all. The motley laugh. Anyway, let's get into Sky's autobiography. Fuck you There there it is Two minutes in (laughs) Excellent Making enemies Um, Let's let's start Go ahead Um, So essentially um, Curse of Strahd Is not the first rendition Of this module Um, It was simply just called Ravenloft um, When it was first released Yonks ago I'm I'm pretty sure um, Tracy and Laura Hitchman um, They were husband and wife. I don't know if they were husband and wife at the time, but it was like back in the 1970s. Um, they were playing a game with another friend who was DMing for them. And essentially they were... <sighs> I can't believe you've done this. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, and essentially they were um, just playing a normal dungeon crawl. It was just a normal dungeon crawl and it had all the stereotypical things that you have in a normal dungeon crawl and then all of a sudden uh, a vampire pops out. A what? A vampire pops out. Ma, ma, na. And we can't afford sound effects, so we've got to put them in. We can cut. Um, and um, essentially, I believe it was um, uh, Tracy at the time, um, when they sort of finished that up and they went back, Tracy was kind of like, oh, you know, this particular creature kind of stands out from the rest. It'd be kind of really cool if we took that and we sort of gave it its own storyline and its own world that we could build around. Um and so basically that's when him and his wife, Laura, um, they worked together to write the first rendition of Ravenloft, which was released by the TSR um, company, which is a game publisher, which originally did d and I'm pretty sure it's changed hands now. Yeah, it's Wizards of the Coast <clears throat> now. That was Gary Gygax. Gary, yeah. Gary Gygax, who's made D&D, was like the head of TSR. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure they released that in about 1980 for the first rendition. Then they re-released it again, um, basically just renaming it. It was like Ravenloft, uh, something about um, Death Domain or something like that. Domain um, of Dread? Yeah, Home home of the Domains of Dread. And that was basically re-released. It was basically just the same campaign, more shit added to it um, in 1990. Um, and they re-released that. So I'm pretty sure, like, counting, like, when they released Curse of Strahd, I think we count the collector's edition as, like, the fourth rendition of it? I think it's officially the fourth re-release of it, I Yeah. Think. So Can it's... I butt in real quick? Yeah, 100%. Sorry. Because um, some of these buzzwords I know, as the resident newbie on the group, on the scene... Um, Ravenloft. There's also an expansion or D&D book, Von Richten's Guide to... Van Richten's, Van Richten's Guide, Guide to Ravenloft. Ravenloft. Is that attached? That's is that... the that is so Curse of Strahd is the adventure. Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is the campaign setting. Uh-huh, that basically uh-huh. gives you the ability to make your own domain mm. of dread and like the monsters and it kind of like yes. extra monsters <clears throat> and stuff, which are really cool. It's sick. Well, and we'll oh. probably cover a little bit of that I, towards the end. If some of you guys sign up to that Patreon, we might even do it. <laughs> <laughs> wink wink. Wink. Please, God. <laughs> I've been living off ramen for two months. Please. Anyway, please, Sky, carry on. Um, uh, yeah, so um, pretty much um, with this one, uh, Ravenloft, Curse of Strahd, whatnot, has been one of the most popular running modules since it was first released. It has been a fan favourite for, like, the past, like, 40-ish years, if you would so call mm-hmm. it. Because um, I'm pretty sure Collector's uh, Edition was um, revamped 2020. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been pretty much on the top of like the communities list consistently. Mm. Um, and I think it's because, and I guess we'll get a bit into this later, the way that this particular module has been set out, both from a player's and a DM's perspective, is, I feel like, is uh, quite a bit different to the way the other ones are. Um, but, Marco, uh, you've not, you've I, not played Curse of Strahd, I've Stra, never played Curse of Strahd. Well... First time I ever played D&D when I really got into D&D after playing it once for 30 minutes, pretty much. Um, we tried to get into Curse of Strahd. Um, that was the first one we ever started. That was the first one we ever started, yeah. It was Cody DMing and me and one other person. Um, Oof! Yeah, it was... Oh, no, no, oh. It, was it was you, me and, Liam and Tarek. No, no, no. It was just Tarek. It was just me and Tarek at at your brother's house. Yeah, but wasn't Liam there no. that night? No, because who would have picked him up? No one. No, I, I picked him up. Liam was there because I picked him up. Yeah, actual. Mm. Oh, do you know what? Yeah, Liam was there, but Tarek didn't have a character yet. I think he was still making a character. I don't know, but I feel like it was only two people. I don't know. Either way. I swear it was three, but I might be wrong. Either way, call it just not gelling. But yeah, just we, we started playing a little bit for a little bit, and then um, we got into the actual uh, main D&D group gathered, and we Cody started writing his own content. Um which we started going down the path of. So we never, I never, I think we got to a tavern. We started speaking to some, some people and yeah, that was it. That was about And we were talking to some daughter, maybe. Um, about about um, someone's daughter or something. Um, yeah. Like that's literally the extent of what I know of the adventure besides other little bits I picked up because <clears throat> to me, the way I run games, it was just too much for me. So I, I have it to reference it. When I need stuff, but yeah, we didn't get that deep into it, I don't think. No, not at all. Not at all. It's um, definitely built different, 100%. No, I'm not built different. I'm built incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it still counts as different. 
<laughs> is now is this um if I can ask that and you know stop me if you don't want to answer it but is this this is just a, a one shot so to speak this is just um, a story so it's I I really wouldn't call it a one shot you've got about if you kind of try to streamline it it's not linear it's sandbox so mm-hmm. you can go from point A to point C back to point B to D and ODST it's ODST style Oh, no one played that game. Um, um, don't start. <laughs> very sandboxy. Um, but if you try to streamline it, you're still looking at about 80 hours of gameplay. I beg your pardon? You go through... What? <laughs> uh, you go through everything. You're looking at about 120 hours. What the hell? <laughs> um, and I just want to, just before we get into it, I just want to tell everyone what I'm I've looking at. I've never heard your voice um, go that high. That's, that's called pure shock. Now... You see, I didn't know what I was getting into, but when I walked into this room and there was about like a 45 by 30 centimeter coffin sitting on the middle of the table um, with a picture of a, a vampire on it, um, I didn't think it was going to be that extreme. In- I was going to say intense, intense. Um, but... Oh boy. Well, let's just have a look into it. So obviously, like, you've, you've got the coffin-shaped box. You've got fucking uh, Strad Von. Look up a picture Zubich. of it. It looks cool. Um, yeah, it's sick. I want to frame that picture yes. so badly. And it's so cool. I, I just love that they put, like, his his character stats on the back of that. Mm. That's just a fun little this thing. This guy's describing as a, a coffin-shaped cutout of... Um, Strad Von Zarevich. That's right, who she's now... Stop that! You're ruining the print. <laughs> uh, and on the back of it is his his character sheet. Um, this motherfucker, which I'm sure will come saves, in handy. I swear to God. Oh, his stats. <laughs> are let's he... let, let's cover that maybe a little bit later. Yeah, well, because we'll I I, I want that to be, that that's a capital. You so. fight him? What? <laughs> now now anyway. this is my first beef. Soft back. Soft yeah, back. after after Ooh. they retail in Australia at $120. Yep. And they couldn't even give me a hardback copy. Does it come in hardback? Like yes, it does. You can buy the hardback but not separately. In this, the no, coffin. it's does it come in hollerback? Everybody just a what? <laughs> <laughs> did, you say, did you say hardback or hollerback? Hollerback. <laughs> Everybody just listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> this this is my legs when I get out of bed too quickly in the morning. I'm just like um, but yeah, this is a, a big book. You know, this is like the size of your like DM's guide or. Um, but that's a full adventure. You know, one hundred twenty dollars for that and whole it's, set. It's you know, I just want to see how many pages it is at the end. Um, you know, you're getting along about two hundred and just above two hundred pages. Um, but yeah, it's just it's a floppy book, like a, a book you get in school. <laughs> it is. We we will get into the contents of this very soon because I have words. Lordy. Um, so yeah, we open the coffin. We got a book. Whoa. We got Look a picture this. of Strayed. We got a map. Now, with this... Okay, so essentially, just pre- um, prefacing, with this one, to run it, you just need the Holy Trinity. So you need uh, DM's Guide, Player's Handbook, Monster Manual. That's fine. If you come across... Basically, the, the rule of thumb is with the module, you come across any creature that's bolded, then you refer to these. these. She's holding up two books, one titled... Creatures of Horror, which I imagine is filled with like unique creatures that you'd find inside this shot. Um, and then a Taroka deck. Now, this is an interesting little black book, something you'd probably find in Sky's bedroom, um, with some pictures of what look like some tarot cards um, on the front. So those were little extra tidbits given. Now, I kind of really liked on this one that like when... Instead of just sort of having it as an index picture just in the book, because mm. so many times I've been playing a game person and then the like DM like 
pulls the book over the thing and like starts pointing in their book at like what they're looking at. Mm, yeah. But they actually give you full-on printouts of this that you can hand to players. These are scrolls or letters rather that tomes um, letters. Tomes. Yeah. Fucking read them. You know that you can hand to your players just so you're breaking immersion by passing them a 300-page book. Or just laying that in the middle of the table for everyone to share. I'm not going to lie, though. Some of the running writing in that, the cursive, sorry, for anyone who's not an Australian listener, is really hard to read. It is so fucking hard to read. Look, when you write in um, broken caveman text like me, <laughs> half of my words are like I just use a symbol instead. Like a, I just draw a cat if I want to use the word cat. I ain't reading that running right <laughs> This learned stuff. Um, this is probably actually one of my favourite DM screens that you this can get. Whoa. It, it is like it's just a nice like very minimalistic style but it's still got that really edgy gothy feel to it mm, everyone look this up um we're, we're seeing a lot of dark tones oh so this um oh. i'm pretty sure this is your first encounter which is the death house, the death house. Mm-hmm. immaculate first encounter for the game like it's not the very first thing you do but it's your first kind of like big sort of encounter. it's your first big kid encounter yeah. and i'm just gonna uh add in um i personally for this for this module would get a mixed party of beginners to intermediates. I've read so many reviews about saying this campaign is really beginner friendly. It, it is, if, you, if you're starting at level one, like it wants you to, you can easily start at level three or four for this and still struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of grinding in those first three or four levels, a lot of grinding, um, but you will TPK. Like the three times I've played it out of two of those, um, party TPK within like first three levels. Holy fuck. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You could probably put that down to like maybe poor party construction or whatnot, but like if it happens more than once, I'm just saying. Now, um, cause are you talking about beginner to intermediate in terms of like combat experience and like how to like, divvy up their roles in fighting um how about like player experience in terms of um because like i've come across this a bit like when i dm'd a little bit with like completely brand new players is sometimes they don't know how far they can go with explorative stuff Mm. um does this have a lot of or any of like that in it where you know sometimes they can just miss something out in a set piece if they're not asking the right questions or asking talking to the right people if you're not trying to all year shit yeah there is a lot you can miss in this because there is just so much in there to begin with Mm. um thankfully even though it is sandbox it's it's very sandboxy which again reading the reviews this is very beginner dm friendly no is fucking not it's fucking not Mm. um unless you are a law heavy law dumping dm and that's your shtick that's your thing you love to law dump you love to create like full-on immersion and i'm not talking about like a nice tone of immersion i'm talking like you're you're talking for like five minutes fucking straight describing what a fucking pantry looks like Mm. um like if you're into that this has this in it though like built in (laughs) yes it does (laughs) (laughs) listen fucking um i'm not gonna lie that sounded like an attack at me from every second no no I I mean you're oh, okay. You're, <laughs> no one cares about the, the world of Theranica, Kayla. <laughs> Cody, sorry. Cassius Clay one of the greatest. White name starting with cut sound. <laughs> um 
Anyways, I'm 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 getting severely fucking derailed. I've got like yeah. five What's your ideas. profanity. <laughs> <laughs> um, You've obviously got some strong feelings about some of the things in this. It's which I, is what I'm picking up from that. Yeah, I I did like a little bit of homebrewing when I first started playing D and D, but Curse of Strahd was my first ever module that I played, and by golly, it was fucking fantastic. Kind of wish it wasn't though. You kind of wish it wasn't your first one? My or? first module. Really? It, we were playing it online, so we were playing it on Discord, and one of my main concerns with Curse of Strahd was that all of, like, because obviously, like, in your, like, mod, your, your module for the campaign, it's got the segments that you, you know, you read aloud to the party that's been, you know, bolded and highlighted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. some of these just get so extravagant like, I I remember one time the whole party, like, and this is not the DM's fault whatsoever. The DM is just running the module. The DM's just running the module. Right. Um, but I remember, like, all four of us just spaced out once because we'd gotten somewhere in Strahd's castle and he was fucking describing the room and, like, we thought he'd finish and then you go, and then you look over to your left oh, and there okay, is an yeah. extravagant red velvet lamp. And, like, it was just the the book... Uh, is very extravagant and extensive with its describing. Um, and whilst I give it points for detail and depth, um, I also deduct points for the fact that it can be a very draining campaign by the time you get towards the end of it. It can feel feel very draggy. I feel like I feel like you can and you can and it's such a bummer too because you can save that by reading that blurb and then condensing that motherfucker into two sentences and then describe it when the party explore. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to go to the left side of the chamber. Okay, cool. Roll perception check. Oh, you rolled a 14? Yeah, sweet. If this is what you see, and then you prattle it off. And I think they could have maybe spread it out that way. Yeah, you're and right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Not not the DM. Like, I think, I think like you said, the DM, the DM that you had was just reading the book. Yeah. I think maybe it's like, they should seg. They could segment in the book to what you described to yeah. where, maybe. But that's that's just me. No, I, I reckon that would definitely help a hundred percent. Just sort of breaking it up, um, and probably as a rule of thumb, just because of the size of Curse of Strahd, this is definitely not something you can prep like all in one go. No. I would definitely recommend taking it in slices. Uh, I'd read through it all first. Give it a read through so you familiarise so yourself. Just about to ask. Um, I've never done like a. Uh, a, a pre-written or you know done a, a a story that isn't something that I wrote yeah. where I know everything that happens with a one shot like something like this or just a world where you're playing you know, or a pre-written campaign sorry for babbling everyone um, is it best to like read through it and just like memorize as best as possible or like skim through and then when you know what you want to cover just bang bang that those hundred pages you know I would, and this is totally down to your your style preference. Um, I would, thank you, very kind. Um, I would personally read it back to front, knowing me it'd be a skim, but mm. I'd probably recommend maybe a little bit more in depth. Zip, 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 vampires, zip, 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 towns, zip, 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 in. Yeah, okay, I get the, I get the gist. Pretty much. <laughs> um, oh, that's Curse of Stride in the Bottle, everyone. Thank you. Uh, good night. Uh, <laughs> Don't buy it. <laughs> Um, but I would definitely give it a skim from back to front, um, mostly because also the um, uh, Taroka deck is also like plays. It's so early on, but it plays a vital part in what how. What the heck is a Taroka deck? Now we mentioned this before. 
Okay. I okay. remember you you went to look at them and then Sky, <laughs> Sky went, snatched no, them stop back. It. No, no, I've got over this. <laughs> yeah, this is this is something that I actually did. I actually got to do for uh oh, they're postcards. How cool is that? Yeah, it, the, the the it comes with little postcards. So unnecessary. No one's it's, ever going to use them. They're cute though. They are cute. Nerds would. The, the, um, would you, Marco? No. The I'm a chat. <laughs> Chad. <laughs> I only do this for, for nerd biddies. <laughs> I'm mucking around. <laughs> so the Taraka deck, from what um, I can recall from it, is... It's a big deck of cards. Everybody. It is a big deck of cards. Every um, particular grouping of cards serves a different aspect of how you actually prep the game, where you find key things and people, I believe. Yes. Sky, talk to us about these cards. So pretty much all of your suits. So you'll have your... your... Um, the best uh, the best way I could describe it is probably to liken it to a tarot deck. You've got your your ma- major arcana, mm-hmm. uh, which is like all the your... lovers, the world. I am so impressed so right strange. now. Um, the chariot. We only the got... hierophant. Um, the tower. The tower. <laughs> the emperor. You guys are really justice me right and now. judgment. Damn. That's impressive, guys. I would have learned that from JoJo's, you fucking idiot. <laughs> um, all of those. The hermit. <laughs> fucking hell. The sun. The sun. The world. The world. Um, are these now these cards? Are these for the DM or are these for players? Uh, a bit, a bit of both. both. Nice. Jinx. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got so essentially. Uh, you've got what they all represent, but your suits. So, mm-hmm. like, There's I believe... There's book for this. I believe the suits are swords, stars, coins, and glyphs. So, essentially, when you actually, like, uh, the um, Taraka deck book, as opposed to the module book, the module book actually goes over all of the suits and explains to you where every little bit of treasure is because every little suit card um, basically is um, indicative of where treasure is. Mm-hmm. Now... That doesn't sound that like exciting or impressive until you like pull it out and then you like see how much like treasure they had to write for like every single card and there's just pages and pages and pages of the shit of where they've put stuff all Mm -hmm. over the sandbox world. So like you can play this and not get some, yeah, and get a different outcome. Do you literally? Do you think? And we'll obviously go over this at the end a little bit. but I just want to touch on a tiny little bit. Because um, I've never just done this kind of thing. How do you replay this without just being like, no, dude, we're going straight here? Or do you think that players shouldn't, uh, for better use of a word, um, I'm just going to say, shouldn't stop themselves from enjoying a game differently, replaying it, and experience it differently? The one thing, and again, I only know this much because I when I prepped to run our session originally, I put a lot of time into learning that. The Taraka deck stops that from happening because every time you set up, you reshuffle and you redraw the cards and it literally says, oh, if you draw... um, I can't remember the suit names, forgive me. If you draw... The Seer. (laughs) The Healer. (laughs) Sorry, I was just looking through it. Yeah, they got some cool pictures. But it's like, if you draw one of... um, I think it's like the crown first or the sword, whatever it is, that says, oh, this thing is here. Da, da, da. Mm. And it basically that deck. So it's like a randomizer. Literally, that or deck that, yeah. is the randomizer, which basically makes Curse of Strahd different 
every single time. And look, it might not be different every single time. There might be an instance where one or two things are the same. Yeah. But for what it's worth, that was really fucking cool. That was a cool thing to add. 100%. Just, just, and and we will we will cover this in a moment, like how that comes into play in the actual campaign. But that was fucking that was fucking cool, man. Like that was that was awesome because in the original module, it was um you were just meant to get a pack of playing cards. Mm-hmm. That was it, and it just the original books I believe yeah. had a chart to tell you what card was what. Yeah, you know, playing cards, and then they, they did the revamp, and they're like. No, we got that fuck you money now. We'll just make yeah. the cards. You can buy these now individually. You can oh, just cool. buy Taraka cards because you can insert them into any game. Yeah. Because it gives you the layout for what they are. 100%. Like, it's awesome. I That's think cool. Curse of Strahd is a really good example of like what a well-done sandbox campaign is. Mm-hmm. It's a really good example of that because even like taking the deck out of it, there is so much stuff you can just completely miss in the campaign full stop. Mm-hmm. There are so many encounters that you can bypass. There's encounters that you like catch on the wind, but it doesn't really affect the main storyline. You can just choose to go do them. Um, so even without the deck, you can still pretty much, like if you want to play it again, you can still pretty much retailer it mm-hmm. and not overlap with your last yeah. adventure, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I distinctively remember this being a very long campaign, especially mm-hmm. playing it online. I think it might have been a bit easier if I was doing it in person, but I remember really struggling mm-hmm. by the end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, no, it was fantastic, and it was like the but the thing the thing with Curse of Strahd. This is the thing, the the main thing. When you think you're finished, you're not. Really, it, it, the Curse of Strahd is notorious for that. Notorious. It happens like three fucking times. Really? You think you finish, you're like, take that, Daddy Strahd, uh, and then you do your thing, and then he's all like, he turns to dust, and then it's all like, and then you find a lynch in a fucking attic somewhere, and then there's the Amber Temple, and, and, um, yeah. Jesus. Literally. <laughs> oh, right. Um. Oh. Also, this campaign is intended for levels 1 through to 10, but you can also start at 3 or 4 if you don't want to grind. Thank you. I mean, you kind of covered that before, <laughs> which is tight. I know, but I just wanted to make sure. Anyway, so this has just been us interjecting with random questions. This or me, is really. The, this is the incessant um, rambling of mad men and one mad woman. This is the. This is just the beginning. Um, We're only 26 where, minutes into this, where do you mad want to, boy. Where do you want to start with this, with this campaign? Um... Look, essentially, like, if we're going to talk about the storyline of it, Immaculate. Mm. Um, basically, your whole main goal of the campaign is to uh, jib-jab Strahd Daddy. Um, you, you basically want him dead, dead to Define jib-jab, sorry? Um, well, you can't stake him because that doesn't kill him. That just sort of, like, stops him from busting a move. Um, I believe the term is commit a murder. <laughs> is jive. Commit a <laughs> Yeah. You want to you want to put a put attack in his jive. Yeah, he he is definitely. I think the only reason why we we still fucking struggled, like the like the actual like encounter with Curse of Strahd himself, like Curse of Strahd with Strahd himself. Um, <laughs> First name Curse. <laughs> Last name Strahd. Curse. <laughs> oh no! Please don't don't rub in the embarrassment any more than already is there. Thank you. <laughs> But that first encounter was was tough. Um, 
like eventually coming up to him because like you you the pacing of the leveling up which i'm sorry i'm gonna go on another tangent again um it started off at the point of the show so had that runtime baby (laughs) um (laughs) make that patreon worth it on paper um it looks like the leveling has been sort of uh, evened out like when mm. you hit milestones essentially when you level up in the game the trouble is is that some milestones take a really really fucking long time to get to mm. and it gets to a point where you feel like you're like am I gonna actually survive this next encounter like I really need that level up am I gonna survive this next encounter we get to because there is heaps of just off-sided encounters you'll be mm. like walking through the bush picking berries picking your nose mind your own business crop dusting fucking trees and all of a sudden there'll be like 80 wolves on your way no not that much i'm over exaggerating but it feels like it though it feels like it's incessant there's wolves there's witches there's zombies like it's every like little alt motherfuckers dream like it's just got everything <laughs> do we got werewolves Yes, you got, we'll got vampires. Do we got werewolves? One of the um, one of the story hooks to get the players involved into because you know every campaign needs a reason that mm. someone gets involved is your party is hired to stop a werewolf mm-hmm. incursion or mm-hmm. a, a lycanthrope incursion, I believe is that one. So I was like, yeah, they they did everything. It's I didn't want to say it because I know a lot of then people don't. do it, but. Curse of Stride very heavily lifts from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. Very heavily. Like, insanely. Like, and as we. Uh, I've only, deeper into I've only it, seen Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Oh, excellent <laughs> film. Yakin a what? Sim. A what? Nothing. A what? Nothing. What, the best, the best Wolverine ever? The best X Men? I was just going to say, mm-hmm. you're, you're, a, you're a kind young gentleman. Thank you. You're welcome. But yeah, um, Bram Stoker's Dracula was. um. A lot of it made its way into mm. Curse of Stride, which isn't a bad thing, I guess, because you know they were never going to get Dracula for D and D, so they just did the next best thing and made one that was better, in my opinion. Mm. Like he's way cooler. Oh no, you broke my candle. Sorry. Oh um, no. And I'd I'd like to get into the story a bit more, but maybe we'll um save that for like part two, like the um like I mean, the we could. I mean, we could. Um, Let's do the. Ne- we'll just see how the weather, where the evening. Because I was gonna say, like maybe like part two, you know, for the for the Patreon extra little extra little bit at the end, we can kind of go through um, like the beginning of the story and kind of talk about how like your your party gets into it and um, you know, story kind books. of kind of how we can audio of like your toes being sucked. I thought we discussed that on the Patreon. <sighs> That's part three. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the $20 tier Patreons. And if you're saying, Marco, what do you mean? It only goes up to $15. I, if you DM me, I'll give you my BSBN account number. Give me $20 and I'll send you those videos. Um, but I don't know. I guess we'll we'll feel it out. We'll see what's left Pretty for silent laughing. <laughs> I, I think, think it's more of like a... Um, kind of like... You know, to bring it back, to bring it back to to Bram Stoker's and and Dracula and such. It's like what and vampires. It's like um, it's like Doctor Frankenstein watching Frankenstein just be murdered in front of him, like his greatest creation, Obdice and magic just being burned alive, and you know, the, the townspeople, me and Sky, are burning down his podcast in front of him by using vulgar, <laughs> vulgar stories and language. But hey, hey man, the people seem to like it. You. Dutty, dutty boys and girls at home. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we digress. 
Sky, my darling, please go back to this story. Why did you turn into Hans Gruber all of a sudden? Because that's the narrator. He brings things. That's my actual. I want to bring an extra character into this. It's an alter ego of mine. He's going to bring things back on track. Sky bending her soft covered book, making me kind of cringe Truly a little outrageous bit. Outrageous fucking behavior. What chaotic behavior. Oh, oh, oh my God. God. She's folding the corners. Welcome to my destructive ASMR. Oh my god. I have to describe it because you can't hear it that well. But she's folding pages. Oh my legs. Oh my god. She's chaotic evil. My how the turns table. That's it. I'm taking a creative vote. All in favor of kick Sky out of this group. Say aye. Aye. Uh oh. I was the only one who raised my hand. We'll discuss that later. <laughs> um, so essentially, like, uh, the story basically starts off, um, has that stereotypical setting where your party's in a tavern, um, you're getting crunk, um, probably to usher or something. Oh, yeah, because we never started having a tavern. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm confused. Oh, uh, campaign one. <laughs> it's almost like he's not played with us. Um, Sorry, I um, I actually don't play. I my eyes roll into the back of my head, and <laughs> and Henrik takes over. <laughs> yeah, radio Shaggy. Um, Shaggy too dope. Welcome to the house of horrors. Oh no! <laughs> oh shit, everyone! I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Cody in advance. I'll have to compress the shit out of that. that anyway, so back to the story before Cody has to cut all of this. <laughs> I'm more concerned about joining in with all the juggalo talk. Woo <laughs> 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 woo! Wow. Okay. Sorry, I was listening. Um, to, I was listening to ICP on the bring, way here bring to back. get me into. Oh, Chapter one. Um. So essentially, what happens is that um, oh, what's his name? Um, you, you just have this like stereotypical human male. I believe his name is Curse. <laughs> no. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> <Bug> you. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, and he comes in and he's. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't leave this guy. <laughs> uh, for reference, Marco was putting up the uh, fake candles to his eyes, and just doing weird shit. Um. And basically, he comes into the tavern. Um, he's he's got a letter from his master. Um, and at the time, now, just a side note for this: fantastic foreshadowing for this entire campaign. It is littered throughout it. Foreshadowing is such a consistent theme with this, mm. and has done so well. Um, it starts off, and you and you get like an index picture of it and whatnot. And you don't realise at the time that the letter has the seal of Strad on there. You don't realise it's Strad's seal, though. He just says that his master needs help. Ra ra ra. Um, buys everyone around of drinks in the tavern. <clears throat> leaves a big gold pouch behind and says, "Meet me in the morning if you want to, you know, come to Barovia and all that other stuff." Um, and essentially, your players have to take the bait, otherwise you don't start the campaign. Mm. So. Your players take the bait, and that's when you um, pretty much end up in um, Barovia. And essentially, it's the way it's sandboxed, I feel like, is so uh, unique to this experience because it's a closed off little, like, um, it's, its its own little pocket dimension. Basically, it's all walled off by fog, 
you have no way to reach the outside world once you get in and you basically have to kill Strahd to then exit again. And so it's Silent Hill. Dimension. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, pretty much. Actually, that's probably one, much, of the best, yeah. one of the best references for it. So your characters start in Barovia? You start outside of Barovia. In but inside of the fog. Or do you and have to go through the fog to you get to Barovia? You go into the fog, yeah. Um, and so Daddy Von Stradovich is <laughs> controlling, he's the master of this, pretty much. this area. And basically his whole jive is he's just a simp. For? Um, so basically Death? like in, oh, it's not Deadpool. Um, and basically that would be cool though. And Thanos um, actually, sorry. Oh yeah, mm. true. That's we right. love triangle there. Yeah. Very good. Triangle. I can't remember. I can't remember her name, but it's, um, this is, this is one of the, Oh, nerd alert. Nerd alert. This is one of the first things that shoots up a flare that this is very Bram Stoker is this. It's, um, what what is it? It's he's he's freaking out over a woman that looks like his ex lover or, so, or the woman yeah. he did love. <clears throat> Essentially, what happened is that I'm pretty sure Strad had a brother, Sergi, um, and or Sergey, however you want to say it. I don't know. Is Sergey? Yeah. Sukablet. Sergey. And. I'm sorry, my pronunciation absolutely butchered that. Um, but essentially, um, oh, what was her... Her name starts with... It's Tat, I think it's something like uh, Tatiana or something. Tatiana. Um, Please. In, in the first sort of... You're doing better than me. I thought it was Katarina. It probably is Katarina. I'm probably butchering it. Um, Katarina. Uh, basically, Katarina. essentially, long story short, um, he was in love with her... I'm pretty sure she was not. She was betrothed to his brother. No? Yeah, is that not how yeah, it goes? Yeah, something like that. I'm and pulling then... it out from the recess of my. No, brain. you're you're fucking remembering it better than me. And essentially, um, Ismark, who's one of your NPCs that go along with you, also massive NPC like party companion capacity. There's like eight people, like eight mm. NPCs that you can come across, um, in this. Um, game and it got to the point where pretty much like it's I think it's just like a common theme every time I played it the DM would literally assign NPCs to each player for them to control Mm -hmm. Um, because in combat it was just so many NPCs the DM had to go through plus the enemy that the Mm. DM was dealing with and so it was all like for you guys you can have one each and you can make them do things when we're in combat are these guys important to the story at all? yes and no some of them more so than others, yes. There are a few, like, um, pretty prevalent NPCs. Like, Ismark is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and his sister... Um, I, I, I Ivana. Ivana. Ivana Humbler. Ivana Alada. <laughs> Alada vagina. Anyways. Um, so like, Ivana Tinkle. I guess the, re- uh, the reason I was getting into that is because if you're the, the DM, you know, you know, narrating, playing through this... Are you trying your hardest to keep these people alive for story contrivances, or is it is the campaign's completable and totally doable without any of these NPCs? I, it is. You're gonna need Ismark regardless. Mm. Ismark is a massive um, uh, NPC that you will need to help you through, um, especially that beginning part. But also, like, is Ismark an anagram for something? 
because this is giving me it gives me massive um like Alucard vibes oh, like at yeah, Castlevania Alucard uh, who is just Dracula backwards also Helsing Alucard Dracula backwards yeah yeah no I don't I think Ismark was not uh oh but... light bulb this guy just found the light bulb and then put it in her mouth and realized you can't take a light bulb out of your mouth once you put it in fun fact about the human jaw you can put a light bulb in your mouth but you can't take it out without it breaking sorry Sky keep going um do you know how they get around that they get like a they'll get like a sometimes they'll get like a latex glove like a high grade latex glove and they'll like put it in your mouth and, and put it around it and then they'll get you to crunch down on it and then it doesn't mm. cut your mouth and then they pull it out no, you live with your choices. You bite down on that motherfucker and you bleed out your you mouth. Commit. The doctor uppercuts you in the jaw. <laughs> We're doing this the quick way. No time for latex gloves, homie. Uh, in the US, that'll be $50,000. Yeah. <laughs> Put ha- the light bulb back in. Yeah. <laughs> Start picking up the glass and swallowing it. Think happy thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> um, Irina. That's the sister's name. Thank you. And essentially... Irina Hunt, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking up. Essentially, Strahd's got this, like, obsession with her because... She like, he's, okay, Nixon, Nixon. he's Nixon from your drama. Irene! Fuck her Nixon! Shut up, David! Can you just like say I'm Strad von Nixon or something? Like, <laughs> the greatest crossover to, to bless This you episode is. is super chaotic. I'm so sorry. Um, this episode is brought to you by Rage Shadow Legends. Oh my god. <laughs> We wish. Oh, sorry. No, we're not allowed because we're not. (laughs) I don't think we're legally allowed to say that. Um, And essentially, he's got this obsession over her because she looks exactly like his long, long lost love um, from a not so nice a time because a time for Strahd was never nice. And he makes that broodingly obvious. Um, Literally, every encounter I remember having with him, he was just always bitching, just always complaining. That's actually something, yeah, that's actually something, I'm glad you brought that up. So, if I remember correctly, there are, there's a handful of instances where you interacting with Strahd is like a requirement for the module. Yeah. But I explicitly remember, and you'll find this cool, Marco, there's a thing in the book where it says to the DM, Strahd can literally appear to torment the party whenever you want. Yeah. That's cool. Like, literally, like... There was, like, there's one of the segments, it's like, um, uh, it might be with Ismark, I can't remember, but, like, you go to someone's house to go speak to another person, blah, 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 and they're like, hey, this is actually a really good point if you want to introduce Stride to the characters, where it's like he's, or I might have read it online somewhere, but it's like you have him floating, mm-hmm. hanging upside down at the window. Does it Cause... give, does it give you, um, like, um, like a script for him? It, yeah, it gives you. I think it gives you a handful of bits where it's like this is like things you can talk about. Mm. But the whole point about Strad is he's so charismatic, but he's basically just a prick. Mm. But he's an emo prick. Yeah. So it's like one of those things, and it's cool. Cannot enter a building unless he's invited. That's one vampire thing. Ah, like so True Blood. Basic. It's like Vampire Law One Hundred One. Mm. So it's cool. You can have those interactions where he'll be at the door, he'll be at the window, levitating at the mm. window, and you can talk to him. But like. He can't get you. Exactly. It's a perfect role-play thing. Mm. But that, that that's another thing. I mean, it's all coming back to me. It's like a film going past my eyes. I was like, oh, I remember this. But it's like, yeah, you can literally have him just rock up and just fucking annoy your players for 20 minutes and then fuck off back home. And that's... <laughs> Bye! <laughs> exactly. Yes! And like, that like gets me onto the tangent oh, of... I need like, Irina, actually... dude! <laughs> Irina! She takes Irina, dude! <laughs> I need premium, dude! <laughs> um... 
Uh, I think a good thing to lead off of that is actually the culture of... Um, Do it for the culture. Sorry. <laughs> no. Good call. My rap fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, all, the, like, all the towns of Barovia that you come through, like the villages and the towns Kasama. and whatnot, and the culture that they have around Strad, like it's very like Voldemort-esque. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno instead of Bruno. It's just Strad. Um, and, but... There are so many places on this map where there are just desolate villages and, like, it's it's kind of like this real, like, whiplash because you'll go from one village where it'll be bustling and teeming with, you know, life and then you'll go to another one and there's nothing in the streets and it's just empty and there's, like, a little, like, tumbleweed rolling across the side. Um, I remember in one particular encounter, yeah, literally... <laughs> Um, I believe this hag um, had like a trolley and she was selling stuff to all the townsfolk and it was like, I think she was like selling um, like emotions or something like that. And like oh, in a bottle? And, <clears throat> yeah. <in> a, <clears throat> oh, okay. And like the whole town was just, it, it looked like the town was abandoned, but it wasn't. Everyone was just all shunted up in their homes, just in this constant like dream state. And it's literally playing on like a drug epidemic, basically. Pretty much. Like of, a, of, a, of a block. That's cool. Like Judge Dread. Everyone's on the hype. Is like uh, hypo or whatever. Uh, slow mo. Slow ball. God, I love that movie. Fucking <laughs> hell. Um, and then there's. Uh, there's another one where, and I distinctively remember. Um, <clears throat> uh, what was it? You can do it. <laughs> We, there was a, there's like, there's a small story within every area. Like, it's like there's a mini campaign inside the campaign because you'll visit a new village and there'll be like three or four things you can do and like a smaller storyline you can follow within the larger storyline. And some of these don't even touch base with anything to do with Strahd. Maybe the situation you find yourself in is a cause and effect of something Strahd's done, but in like the grand scheme of things, it doesn't help you get any closer to Strahd. Um, it's just a nice little, hey, if you want to do the side piece. Yeah, is it safe to say what that sounds like to me as a world builder is this is showing that here's your fucking, your, your this is your big bad up here and this is your overall goal, right? Mm. Like this to me, what this sounds like, and it's good because this is coming from someone who's played it, someone who invested in learning it but didn't run it, but I have like the base information. Yeah. This is like, the real world functions outside of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, it's basically like the it's it's a really good way in a in a sandbox capacity to see the knock on effect, well the long term knock on effects of Strad, just full stop of Strad, and how this entire community, this entire area of Barovia has just been cut off from the rest of the world, and just how desolate some places have fallen into, um, because. They don't. They've got nothing. They've been cut off from from everything. Um, they've had to rely on whatever's been given to them. It's it's very controlled, and you feel like you're a pawn piece for a good majority of it. You feel like you're at Strad's whim. Like you don't feel like the adventurer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't feel like the hero. Yeah, and it's such a like a a wigged out feeling because you're all like, I'm the player, and I'm 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 making my decisions. I'm choosing where I go. It's like this is my show. Yeah. You're just in it. It's like incorrect. And it's like this no. Is this is Shrad's no, episode. Didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's like no, you fucking You're didn't. Just a recurring character in his episode. 
Um, so that You're just another Joey in the Chandler shop, <laughs> baby. <right. laughs> Literally, and um, that's another good thing it does, along with um, giving personification to inanimate objects. That is what? a fantastic giving. I was gonna, fuck it, huh? Sorry. <laughs> Persona, um, personifying inanimate objects. So like, um, it, it's the way you describe an inanimate object, like it has human features, like mm. um, the shadow in your room stands tall. And the withered over face you. of the clock. Yeah. Staring at you. And mm. the book really That's cool. like. I didn't want to sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the book really leans into. It's got really fantastic like DM notes as well, and it's all like personify all your inanimate objects. It builds atmosphere. <laughs> And when I read that, I was all like, yeah. And then I remember when I played it, I was like, yeah, I was shitting. I was shitting myself <laughs> the whole time I was playing it. Um, which I guess that also comes down to your DM. Yeah, like, why am, I qu- why am I quivering in fear about a velvet curtain? <laughs> <laughs> velvet curtain dances around the corners of the room, surrounding you as it slowly encompasses you know, you know, every fiber of your being. And you're just like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm starting to get into some AO3 explicit territory. Um, anyway, keep going, Scott. <laughs> if you know, you know. Um, if you know. Sorry, I needed fuel. Um, but she just drank petrol. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! It's metal. I was going to say, don't lie to the folks. That shit's expensive. Um, now, oh, Another thing from the original campaign and this one is that in the maps provided, um, there was a comparison done between the original content and this one, and they literally bolstered the maps and the content. Like, I'm talking in like... this revamped edition? Yeah, like, between Curse of Strahd and Ravenloft, they literally took Ravenloft and, like, jabbed steroids in it and then just let it bulked up and then it pooped out Curse of Strahd. Nice. Like the nice. content uh, difference um, is apparently substantial. Like the amount of extra shit they added. So you'd say that um, the difference between is like more akin to like a um, the the next generation rather than just a, a building up on it. I don't know if those mean the exact same thing, um, but revamped being like just like a complete. Like, Overhaul. like legit, like, like you said, pooped out, but more like just like the next generation, like a father to a son, you know, rather than being like, um, just like brothers where it's like, this one's just better than the last one. You know, this one's like, this is the next generation. This is the culmination of a lot more ideas. I feel, yeah. I think I get what you're saying. It's like, sorry for one... going on the longest tangent for no point ever. No, that was, it's definitely, elaborate. it's definitely like Ravenloft was so popular that it, it had the capability to constantly be generationally um redone mm-hmm. and released every time there was a new edition because it was just so good. So you're right, like revamped is like Ravenloft, the original Ravenloft was excellent because it brought the theory the 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 type and like the story type and like mm-hmm. the original content. And revamped is like just finally that that perfect successor. Mm-hmm. That combination of like 30, 40 years of fucking game except well the best part the best part about this is with the revamp collector's edition and, and curse of Strahd, they actually consulted tracy and laura hitch um hitchman um with everything they expanded on they took what they wanted to expand they gave it to them basically the original creators of, of ravenloft yeah. and they like gave it the yay or the nay so pretty much like everything and i think that really works with the consistency of like the 
the revamped ones is I think it's still so popular and works so well because they always checked in with the original creators on what they were expanding on. They didn't just go ahead, put another fucking bow on it and disregarded the original intent for it by the original creators. They went ahead, liaised with them, said, is this shit okay? And they were all like, sick, nah, cool, whatever, put it in, take it out. And then we got collector's edition. Yeah. So uh, that was something that I, I really liked. Um, there's also, let me just, no. Um, anyways, uh, another thing with, while we're on the topic of maps, the map that came with the collector's edition. Now, let me just here, let me just put into perspective. Oh, is it, is this the thing about, we were talking about earlier before Mike? Um, so I am your DM. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm trying to be all mysterious. She's setting, up, not... she's setting up the DM screen. You know, she's trying to hide behind it with and her secrets. Then I secretly, very discreetly, pull out my map to refer to, so I can. This map is probably like an, the, an A A one. Oh, don't don't look at where the trap doors are on this side. Just ignore. All right. So what guy is, is gesturing to? So Whoa. she has. So the the map on one side is um like, kind of like the the area map. You have the lakes, the mountains, the peaks, the valleys, the villages, the forests, everything. And the other side is a level by level breakdown of Strahd's castle. Yes. I'm imagining. Uh, so this goes into great detail. Um, I'm looking at the one behind me. Um, cause Sky, uh, Sky has one and then Cody also has one. Um, so it, it, it goes down, it gives you like the floor layouts, everything. Um, I haven't looked too much into it, but it gives you like trap doors. It gives you like the tiles, the areas, the, all the dimensions, the whole kit, the whole kit and boodle. This is on, a, on the DM back, needs. on the back of an A3 piece of paper. Um, and you're not memorizing that. I don't care who you are. Um, you need to refer to that. Just, just for reference, it's actually double A3. Um, it's, is, I think it's an A2. No, it doesn't. It gets smaller the less the the smaller the number is. It gets bigger the smaller the number is, right? A two is bigger than A three. Yep. Oh, sorry. I meant A one. <laughs> like the steak sauce. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry. I was being a silly bugger. Ah, uh, this thing's huge. <laughs> like this thing is yeah, big. Huge. This is the size of your car windshield. <laughs> this now, is huge. You could use that as a windshield. <laughs> you literally it. could. Hell, now, use it as a blanket. That's someone great. walking past the shop and be like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> I think for the map, Cody's done the appropriate thing with it and has treated it quite literally as a collector's item and has framed it and put it on the wall. It cannot it like it cannot smoothly and discreetly be used by the DM in game. In a face to face game. In a face to face game, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, or even online. I mean, could you just imagine that? It's here and it's oh, and it's over here and then oh, um but do you think that you would more use that just for reference and create your own oh shit yeah like just create your own i mean i mean i mean you could use that of course for your own story but do you think for the curse of Strahd game that castle map is 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 kind of needed is kind of necessary to to feel it to really immerse or would you just kind of get get the layout of floor one and just be like, okay, I'm just going to write my own floor one and just make sure it includes everything in there. Just do it yourself. Just so you can world build something yourself so you know every nook and cranny of it. I would personally follow the, like, Strahd's Castle mm. T by T with what mm. they've provided. They do it with immense detail and there is a lot of hidden shit that, like, Strahd's Castle is basically Tomb of Annihilation too. Like, there's just what the hell is that? Tomb of Annihilation, just for just for reference, is um considered one of the hardest modules ever made. That's the um that's 
it was Tomb of Horrors, and then Fifth Edition made it yes, to Tomb of Annihilation. Yes, I remember that. Yep. But um, yeah, Strahd's Castle is basically the same thing, where it's like the DM has mm. to basically memorize every floor or have a good notes of it because there is plates, there is hidden plates, and there is. <laughs> can I just can I just read this? I just googled uh D D Tomb of Annihilation. The yep. first thing that shows up, the first question asks, "Is Tomb of Annihilation hard?" And this is just a little blur. Yeah, boy. It says. Normally, Tomb of Annihilation is made to be a near TPK adventure that gets harder and harder as you go. Oh my. Uh, but in the hands of a DM who is wet behind the ears, it could make or break a party. I fucking hate that phrasing. Yeah, that's weird. Wet behind the ears, like what? <laughs> like they're experienced, you know? I guess so. Like, like you, you... It just sounds like they've been licked. <laughs> Only you. I thought of like someone on the sea. You know, like they have seawater on the on the back of their head from being on the ocean, but I don't know. You're a weird dominatrix. Anyway, um, so this this campaign, and I can't wait to go over it, Cody. I think you can take over. You can put that one down on your list of. Oh, you want you want to do of it? stories? No, you can do that one. I want to do something easy. I want to do my next one's going to be the total expansion. <laughs> And you can do you can do Tomb of Annihilation. Sky can do um, Xanathar's Guide, and I will do the Total Expansion. There we go. <laughs> there you go, guys. That is how we divvy up the work here at Of Dice and Magic. Fuck. Anyway, and, and watch, we'll change it before the, the night's over. <laughs> but yes, yeah. So um, the the castle is important. It's Strahd's important. castle is extremely Ooh, important. You will spend a, an elongated amount of time there, and I'm pretty sure you you go there more than once. I'm pretty sure you have like a small encounter where you um, come across um, the castle and then you can come back at a later time when you're like ready to ha 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 fucking shiv him. Um, Shakes and shivs. Pretty much. Um, but there is... Um, there's another, there's another um, encounter as well um, in another one of the villages that I want to talk about because I just... I found it... So fascinating. And this leads into the roleplay aspect. The roleplay aspect for this is fucking fantastic because of the like selection of the NPCs that you have to um, sort of interact with. There's a lot of different personalities. Um, a lot of them are really sassy though. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure like we had no NPC that was just genuinely nice, um, which I mean, now that I've said it out loud and thinking about the tone of the module, I realize that's probably wishful thinking. Um, but we we played this with the theme of the game in mind when we were making our characters. Like I played a life cleric, another player had um, a revived like halfling rogue. So he, like he was all into like all the undead shit and stuff like that, and knew how to like Automatic. yeah. Um, and then we had like a, a what is it a school of swords. It was a bard. Song of Swords. Mm. Yeah, something like that. Yes, the Song um, of Swords bard there. Was like, it is it College of Swords? Uh, no, uh, you pick your college and Song of Swords is... Uh, oh, wait. College of the Song of Swords? Oh, you might be right. But it basically, it's just... um, It's a bard that's got melee build. Like, yeah. It's, it's fucking awesome. Bard, College of Swords. College of Swords, sorry. <sighs> fucking oath. I'm... I'm the fucking best! <laughs> Mar- Marco <laughs> Don't ever step to me! 
me. I never thought. All right, guys, I'm I'm standing up and I'm taking the mic with me. I never thought. I never thought this freaking moment would come ever in my entire history of this whole entire place. Cody and Sky know so freaking much, and I finally trump these two idiots. I fucking egg on your face. I got both of you losers. I'm the fucking best. Yeah, get this on camera. Get this on camera. Get this on recording. Oh, there mm. we go. Chris, oh. here we go. That was me smacking Sky's ass. But <laughs> it was... <laughs> and now you cancelled. <laughs> it was a high five, guys. Relax. Yeah. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear that? That's the sound. Is that the sound of Marco backpedaling? Oh, definitely not. I'm trying to make this less awkward for you guys. <laughs> The confidence is stifling. I love it. You never met me then. <laughs> it's just that stifling. Um, sorry, that wasn't supposed to sound dirty. Oh, God. <laughs> You'll see us in internet articles soon, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, what, fuck, where were we? Um, <laughs> characters, NPCs. Oh, yes. You, well, um, you guys are playing, really, in your campaign. Yeah, um, you were a life cleric. You had a College of Swords bard yes. and a, un, a revived halfling rogue. Yep. And then Very we thematic, had yeah. a, a, the kind of like the trump card goblin ranger who collected toes. Like every time we killed someone, uh, he would pick the toes off and put them in a jar and cool. carry around a jar of pickled toes. Everyone's got that one friend they don't want to bring to parties. <laughs> well, he actually dropped out. He dropped out like two or three epi- like episodes, I guess you could call them in. And... Like, my, our DM had to play it off that, like, he got killed off by Strahd. And at the time, we actually didn't know this player was leaving. He had just told the mm. DM and didn't tell the party. So, like, the party is fighting with everything they have. Like, they're nearly TPKing, trying to keep their party member alive and stop Strahd from killing him. And then, like, at the very end, we're basically borderline TPK. And, like, our DM, like, had to, like, message on the side, like, oh, yeah. This guy actually isn't playing anymore. Uh, you should probably stop trying so hard to save him. And we were like, "What? <laughs> what?" Damn, Zorg. Um. So. <laughs> Damn, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> Three players. Very hard. We relied heavily on those NPCs. I would. The bigger the party, the better. Um. For mm. Curse of Strahd, hundred percent. Um. If you've got a bigger party, bigger diversity, um, and in this case, really choose thematic classes and, like, races. Like, if you choose thematic shit, it will be so much easier. I literally chose a life cleric because someone was all like, because of shard vampires. I was like, what's the most religious thing I can be? Life cleric. And then... How is some BBC history? <laughs> Sorry, we're just joined by De- Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> and you see the life cleric raise her weapon and call upon the Holy Spirit. What is Bong. the most? What is the most religious thing I could be? <laughs> Bang, life cleric. <laughs> this just became us doing impersonations. Anyway, we're doing the rest of the episode talking in British accents. <laughs> Please, Sky. Go ahead. Sky's the best at it, though. Um, mate, I don't think you're listening to me. Wait, 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 wait. There it is. Oh, fuck. Anyway, please keep going. Um, but yes, I would highly recommend Bigger Party for this one. Um, simply because of the fact that 
A, it's not as beginner friendly for players as people like to say on the internet. B, it's not as beginner DM friendly as people on the internet like to make it out to be. Um, Can vouch. Yep. <laughs> Get a good diversity of intermediate to beginner players if you're going to introduce beginner players with this campaign because I can tell you, boy, I struggled. And so did the rest of the party. And like... There were people in the party playing that had way more experience than some of us, and they were like sort of into. In How much had you played at this point? Sorry, um, I'd probably only been playing for about six months at this point when mm. Curse of Strahd was whipped out. Had you played um, much? Just homebrew stuff, mm. just like homebrew one shots and stuff like that. Mm, so just played um, Dawn a bunch. <clears throat> Wait, what? What'd you say? Just played Dawn a bunch. Sorry, they're merciless here. Um, <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> um, but so coming into this as the first one, it was kind of like I've got to put my thinking cap on and then a thinking cap on that thinking cap. And it was um, not overwhelming, just probably not the best campaign to introduce someone with. Mm-hmm. Definitely a good one, but not the best. Yeah. Um, so... Probably advice for a DM, both players and DMs, I'd really recommend keeping notes, especially players. Like, I know, like, some players think, like, oh, like, the DM's going to keep, like, a note of everything. Man, curse Estrada, the DM's fucking struggling to keep the fucking notes. Like, you have to keep notes for this. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you will lose shit and you will not know what you're doing. Like, notes everywhere for both the DMs and the players. Absolutely essential, I think. Um, we had to be reminded so many times by our DM because, like, at the time, um, because he was the forgiving DM, um, he would remind us constantly of shit that we should have already knew because none of us wrote anything down and there was so much stuff that we should have written down. Um, so we'd definitely get a more intermediate or very law-passionate DM to run this one um, and someone who likes to talk a lot. Um and get a good mix of beginner to intermediate players in your party, get a good number of members in your party, and you might be able to scarcely avoid TPK. What would you recommend be the minimum amount of players? Minimum? Three Three. if you're confident. If you're confident? If you're confident. Okay, take out confidence. So if you've got a DM who is confident that they can run it, right, with that, but they're bringing players in, what that sounds like to me is you want to burn minimum four. Yeah. Minimum five. Yeah. And you want much. you want good classes. I feel like you can't all you can't choose thematic shit. That's your ticket out. Mm. That'll help. That'll help ease in like a whole like a whole bunch of shit that'll happen um, because there's just so much shit in there that can lynch you, and you can be just left out in the stark because. What do you mean, dude? Five barbarians, <clears throat> dude. What? Five barbarians, dude. Just fucking roll through there. Oh my god, the jocks! It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fraternity. The, the, fo- the football team, yeah. Alpha Gamma Pi Theta, is coming through. Fuck Barovia. Just five barbarians, like so, bro. And I've all got proficiency with throwing weapons. <laughs> I think we've just found another one shot. Um, now let me just. Oh! Ah! I just got. <laughs> Strad's wives. Um, let me. Stra- what? Strad's wives again. Um, his. There is a. 
Uh, encounter, I do believe. Oh, the tombs as well. That's that's a that's a whole another encounter in itself. Um, okay, yep. Yeah. So there is three. Yeah, there's three. Anyways, so a really interesting thing I found with the three brides is that um, three brides. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I can get along with this stride, motherfucker. <laughs> I got him stride, stride. <laughs> Right. This motherfucker pretty cool. <laughs> this is new to me. I didn't know this was a thing. So run this. Uh, you haven't watched Van Helsing? <laughs> What's talking about the module? You Yakman. You Yakman. I haven't read the module all the way through, bro. Anyway. Um. Later on in the game, there there is a chance for you to encounter. I can't remember if it's chance or if you literally have to. Um. I guess if you finesse it enough, you can avoid almost anything. Um. But you do come across Strahd's three brides, and they they're such an interesting part of the expansion, and they they sort of get looked into, but not really. And good save, Scott. Um, Candle fell over. <laughs> And so essentially what happened is that a lot of people on the internet were actually creating like homebrew campaigns just around the three brides. Like they were making homebrewed content just like around the three brides. Because everyone thought they were like cool. So like. Yeah, they were just, they were just a smash hit. Like. Smash hit. <laughs> Smashing, <laughs> darling. I don't mean to alarm you, dearest. <laughs> um, but yeah, I totally forgot about them. They were a, I remember them being a relatively... It was a well-paced encounter. I remember for where we were at the game and when we came across them, it was challenging, but we didn't TPK. Um, so Enough to break a sweat, but not yeah. enough to die. Well, the thing is, is that like with this one, when you start to get to the higher levels, it's not that like it becomes breezy, but you start to feel like you're jogging at a pace that's keeping up with the time you should be keeping pretty much. Like it kind of feels like, okay... I've got the equipment on hand to kind of deal with this. It's going to be difficult, yes, mm. but I'm not going to die like in the first couple of rounds. Can I read out their names or do you reckon that's spoily? No, read out their names. It's been out since 2020. Suckers. Cool. So the first one um, is Ludmila Vilsevich. Um, oh, his, relative of yours. His oldest. That's my mum. Strahd's <laughs> oldest bride at nearly 200 years old. Then we have... This is a different one. Anastasia Karelova. That's more Russian than Serbian. And then we have Volenta Popovsky. So we have like a, a Serbian sounding name. We have a Russian sounding name. And then we have more of a um, Slovenian sounding name. But that's just a little bit of fun European history for you. Um, there is also a fucking funny... Um, is it like haha funny? Blinsky! Oh, fuck me. <laughs> Blinsky! That's you dirty dog! Blinsky! I know! Um, Just scared the fuck you. <laughs> I, I, um, uh, um, it's something like, uh, is Blinsky is good or is Blinsky is fun? I can't remember, but he was like the light of my life in the campaign. He's a Fucking funny NPC for to play. Um, really brings some like. Gadoff Blinsky. Really brings some good dry humor to the campaign. Like jovial behavior. Right? Yeah, like he he's basically this toy maker. You can can conscript him for you know personalized stuff. Um, he has and a what, monkey assistant named Piccolo. 
pink light. Yes. Who is usually wearing a small tutu. Yes. By far one of my favorite parts of the entire campaign. Like I just remember us always just randomly banking out like Blins is Blinsky is good or whatever the phrase was. I can't remember what the phrase was, but it was by far. Oh man, it was just so good. Is no fun. Is no Blinsky. That's right. Oh. Man, best part. Love that so much. Let me show you this little photo they have for him here. Oh my god. That's who I'm gonna I'm afraid that's who I'm gonna Why? turn into. <laughs> what, do you want? what do you want? Why does Do I need to zoom in on this for you, Darla? No, the the uh, monkey's giving me what's his name? Fro oh, from Night in the Museum. No. <laughs> Jack from Pirates of the Caribbean. No. Barbos is Jack. It, I'll, I'll, Thank I'll remember you, Jack. it later on. Yeah. I'll remember it later Thank on. Thank you, Jack. Other Jack. Oh, not you, Jack. The monkey's name is also Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that monkey scared me. Yeah, that monkey scared the fuck Especially out of me. Especially in um, Curse of the Black Pearl, turned to a skeleton. <laughs> anyway. Ooh. What, sorry? Um, oh, my Chushi train left. You were talking about, I showed you that picture of Blinsky and you were like, mm, that monkey, it's giving me vibes of and then you just and I, cu- I couldn't remember, uh, so I, so I left that. I, I let that train leave the station. Um, oh, I'm bringing it back. Sorry. <laughs> There's no one on board. There's no <laughs> ghost train <laughs> coming this summer to a theater near you. Ghost train. This episode is so chaotic. Just spend wait, 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 wait. The, ca- the the catchphrase, the catchphrase for right, the, the line, right? This train choo choo chooses you to die. <laughs> In theaters this summer. Ghost train. Oh my god, Billy. There's no one driving this train. Come on, Laura. We're going to find the conductor. Ghost train. Leaves the station this summer. Oh, oh my stomach. One, two, ghost train's coming for you. Shut your ass up. Oh, my stomach hurts. I'm going to do so much editing. For ghost that. train. Man. I'm laughing so much that I'm like working up a sweat. Like I'm actually crying, eh? Like, yeah. oh, anyway, anyway. But yes, the if we were to like talk about the actual module and talk about the story in progression from sort of chapter to chapter, we'd be here for a hot, hot minute. Um, like even just sort of skimming over the content, if we were to go like sort of in. Ooh. I can't really say in linear order because you can't really like... Well, we'll call it book order. Yeah, in book order. There is just... There's a lot of shit. There is a lot of shit. Like, I kind of feel like the only way to talk about it and sort of like stay engaged in the conversation is just to kind of like... Follow along. Pick bits and pieces that you kind of like remember and like your, your more sort of notable parts and then talk about that. Because the amount of shit you can come across in this, like, in this entire campaign is just nuts. Like, uh, the Amber Temple is, I have to say, with the Amber Temple, like, it was kind of like, I thought at the beginning it was a good idea because I was like, oh, yes, like, I've got you know, sort of a sentimental attachment to this, you know, character I've played because it's my first ever character that I've made for an official D&D, like, module or campaign that's been released um, and I don't want it to end. And, like, when we finished the Amber Temple, I was kind of like, 
we didn't really need that. It does, like, for me personally, like, it doesn't fit seamlessly in with Curse of Strahd. Good for grinding, though? Good for grinding. um, And a a, a little bit scary. Um, So it's got got a good spook factor, but story factor was not Yeah, it's kind of creepy. It's more like, like, uh, like, dusty, creepy kind of. Anyways, um, but it... It, it didn't need to be there. It didn't accentuate anything that was already, like, uh, progressed with in the main campaign. It didn't really complement anything. Is the Ember Temple necessary to the main campaign? No. So... I don't, you, I don't think it is. Would you say the Ember Temple was one side quest too many? I think not one side quest too many, just a side quest that was accentuated a little too much. Right. They made, kind of made it stand on made, its own. Made yeah. too important? Yes. By putting it post the main campaign and letting it sort of sit like and separate. Fester. Yeah. Do you have do you reckon like do you have to finish the side quest once you're in it or are there outs? Like can you do you reckon your party could just be like I don't think there's anything Okay. <laughs> Say you went into like a dungeon side quest and the trap door shut and the only way to get out is to get to the end, mm. then you kind of railroad it in. But as far as I'm aware, there is literally nothing in any adventure where the adventurers can't get halfway through and literally say, fuck work and bail out. (laughs) Could you imagine? I wrote that contingency into the one shot I'm writing, or one of them that I'm writing, um, where, like, the the party gets to, like, their their goal, and then if they don't want to, they can just leave. And I wrote in a blurb about what happens to them after they leave and See, the, that's game, the game writing. just ends. That's brilliant writing because I usually never put that in. <laughs> yeah. I just make it up on the spot. Let me see what happens. But how I do you feel about that? I think it's like a... I think an answer to that question, there is definitely parts where you can dip. You can be all mm. like, nah, unlucky will sum out. out proper hard. Um, but there are some where at the beginning when we were doing them, I was kind of like, ah, oh, do we really have to do this because we'd been grinding so much already and then you get to the end of that sort of side quest and it's all like oh like we were actually able to uncover some information that's not vital to the main campaign but it sure fucking helps a lot is it like um like kind of like uh when you you have to do side quests in a video game because it's just gonna make you're like oh there could be something really cool like it's your first time playing the game yeah. you're like this like, could be something really really cool in here and I know there's like gonna be something and with replayability I'm sure the Taraka cards can yeah. I don't know probably play into that but you're like oh, guys we gotta do the fucking Amber Temple <laughs> do you wanna know yeah. do you wanna know what I can I can actually I can link this to something that the Amber Temple to Curse of Strahd is being able to beat the first boss in Elden Ring. It's very hard and you're meant to die, but you can do it and you unlock something cool. How thematical of you, Cody. You're welcome. I would have said Demon Souls because I'm an OG. Or Dark Souls 1 because I'm, I'm an you. OG. I learned from watching you. Yeah. <laughs> I learned it from you, okay? <laughs> I learned it from watching you. Are you happy? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but but like, like mm, that, how's like yeah. you beat that... If, in case you didn't know with the Elden Ring, like the very first boss, it's kind of like the lycanthrope from um, Bloodborne. You're mm-hmm. meant to kind of cark it if you try to fight it. However, if you just got reflexes of a fucking god, you win, you get the shield and sword yeah. that it carries. And it apparently makes the first couple of interactions of the game very easy because you've got good power-ups. It's, like, it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's like you don't need it to beat it, but it fucking makes it easier. Yeah, it should be, sure be fucking nice. <laughs> um, it... 
there's definitely what an nice nice if my knife was deadly <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> scary <Yeah. laughs> oh I'm sorry was my hood showing thank god I'm wearing my stab vest today <laughs> fucking <laughs> keep your ribs keep your ribs safe kids Cody stop it <laughs> No, there are definitely um, there are definitely going to be side quests where you don't really need to do them. You can peace out. You can slip out into mm. the dark of the night. There are other ones that In are going to really. The dark of the night. There are ones that um, will serve you a lot better. Uh, the problem is, is that you can't tell which is which. Mm. Get, yeah, that's one thing that. That's one thing that I see a lot of people speak about. Like I got a lot of a lot of the info that I got is from what I remember reading. And I watched um, XP to level three, did a video on it, who's a very good D&D YouTuber, like does a lot of reviews on books and stuff. And the thing with Curse of Strahd that I've been able to pick up is you, I guess with any module that you replay as a character is obviously you have to go in, after you do it the first time, you have to go and pretend that you don't. But Curse of Strahd is like, uh, it's, it's the same with any module, it's just, you don't know it until you've already done it. And you would never fucking know what is the right answer or what's the wrong yeah. answer the mm. first time you do it. And then to go through the motions of coming back to the Taroka deck, how the Taroka deck actually helps set up how the game plays out, it's it's a it's a lot, man. Mm. <laughs> I, I think like not only that, but like I think the fucking re like some of the like replayability comes from the sheer fact that it's such a long fucking campaign by the time you finish it when if you went to like replay it straight after you would not remember half the shit you did at the beginning mm, of the campaign no you wouldn't you'd actually have to set up a camcorder just to remember your shit like it's wild it's wild and even to do a follow up like I think that's what's so good with Curse of Strahd too is just like it, it by the time you get to the end of it I think generally without sounding prickish, your characters just don't give a fuck. They're like, I want to! We need to finish this! It, it does, and it does feel like that, and it shows in your player characters because you as the player, like... It's kind of the point, though, right? You will, you will be exhausted by the end of the campaign. Like, if you're... As a character and a player. <laughs> yeah, well, we were playing it once a week. Like, we, we used to play it Friday nights, and we would play it... Wouldn't bang, it be nice? 6pm, Friday night, every night. We didn't miss a beat. And if you did, you were passively, aggressively guilt-tripped. Um, Hell yeah. Was and, that the DM? Yeah. No, it was. No, it was Sky. No, no comment. Um, if you're listening to this, say, hey, fuck you, pal. <laughs> no, do you want to know? If you're listening to this and you were that person, write in. <laughs> write into the story. We're going to live call you during the next <laughs> podcast and have you confront Sky. <laughs> well, Maury, we brought him here today. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I beep beep, you beep, you mother beep beep. I guess I smacked the beep, I you beep beep. I'm not afraid. This hand's ready to eat for everyone. Anyways, um, <laughs> anyways, um, even children can get it. <laughs> oh no, it's broken. I don't discriminate. Send me to your closest kindergarten. Um, <laughs> um, okay, but. Oh, fuck. Where, what were we... Yeah, that's right. Um, by the end of it, we were just so worn down. And it it almost got to the point where, like, it... And it's also a bit of a, a culture that, like, sort of comes with um, the... I guess whoever you're playing with and whoever's DMing. But 
it, it kind of got uh, a bit exhausting and like you could um, sort of like, <laughs> um, you could sort of get the gist that everyone was kind of like, we're rocking up because it's expected of us, not because we're keen to finish. Um, the That was probably the second time playing through. First time probably wasn't as exhausting. Um, second time though, definitely by halfway through the campaign, we were buggered like mentally. Um, so I, I guess it depends on what your preferred schedule is and how often you want to play and how long you want to play for. But um, as a cautionary word to any DMs that um, do run this, uh, just check in with your players because this sandbox campaign is really susceptible to player burnout. Um, really? Yeah. Do you think a lot of people have played it and just been like, let's just do let's just do something different like hey dude it's been 50 weeks of the same characters and the same story well it like, did it took, it took us a, it took years. us over a year to finish it mm. um that seems i can't imagine like okay granted our home game is now over a year old but also we kind of diverted off that to start doing the podcast so it's a bit different but man like that's wild like i think i genuinely have four more sessions planned for us to actually be able to wrap up the home game so we can just say that we've done it yeah because we're we're slogging off at the end and i like and i've had to cut some stuff out that i wanted to do you know what i mean but that's fuck and and that's a home game i don't have to worry about prep for notes motherfucker it's all up in my head like mm. i got it you are the notes i am the notes <laughs> i'm a walk and you're, if you poster. forget the notes just rewrite the notes live yeah i can do what i want i do what i want but imagine like, trying to do that in this pre-written campaign and just messing up a whole chunk of your story because you forget something oh it's mental bro like, that's I, crazy I, I can't get my head around it like a year it, yeah. that that was taking into consideration that like when holidays came up and stuff like that and just sometimes we we just could not do Fridays like they just did not work out like several people had to bounce um but how, how long were your sessions if you don't mind me asking we normally went from about 6 p.m till about midnight <laughs> holy <laughs> shit uh don't even get me started on that once I had my like part, I was like running a home homebrew and I had my party in a choker hole and I forced him to do like a 13 hour fucking session those poor poor unfortunate souls I didn't realise I was on a tangent I was that's on a really a bad lot. tangent a, don't get me wrong I like I, like, I think I I could have enough to run like a, a decent 5 hour session we did like, have a lunch break I don't know if you know that <laughs> if it's 6 hours you know what? let's just do 5 hours if you times 5 by playing for a year every week, 52 weeks, you've got 260 hours there. <laughs> so Holy sprumboli. <laughs> yeah, well, take into account if you're going to like fill out the entire campaign and do everything. If you're like maybe missing like a Friday session She's once or twice a month. <laughs> Stop it. I don't know complex math. Then, yeah. She added, a, she yeah. added some brackets in there. <laughs> I don't Bummed ass, ass, bitch. <laughs> Jesus, that, that's anyway. a that's a that's a big thing, man. Like, it's a it's a commitment. It's a long term commitment. And if if you belong to the streets, do you think that maybe don't come to Strad? Do you think maybe that you you're so in love with Strad because it's more of like a Stockholm syndrome? Because <laughs> for so long you were like held captive by his story and his campaign that you're like, I have to love him because if I say I hated him, that's such a big part of my life that I've wasted. Jesus Christ. Uh oh. She's unraveling be before us like a blooming onion. <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Um, 
but yes, burnout. It, yeah, just just check in with your players. Uh, like obviously, everyone runs their games differently. Um, everyone has their preferences um, with what they want to do. Um, I just lost my train of thought then again. Um, but if you, you do that a lot, <laughs> you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, oh, thank God. <laughs> At least I checked in. Now I'm not responsible. <laughs> Um, I would probably, um, definitely, if you're going to have some, um, new players, um, probably just check in with them, um, regularly and just make sure that they're, um, not going to suffer from burnout because mm. it is a long hauling campaign. The sessions can get very grindy. Well, mm. yeah. Cause that, that, like this shit can be fucking intimidating, like straight up. That was yeah. the reason why I moved away from after, literally after session one of us doing Strat, I moved away. I said, fuck, I'm doing homebrew. Mm. Cause I can build the world from the ground up and I don't have to memorize stuff. It's mm. fucking intimidating. For if, if that was intimidating for me as a DM, first time DM, Imagine how intimidating that'd be for a player who's never played before. I think because I build the world, but you're the one that has to interact with it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Imagine how intimidating that is. I don't think for, for a player whose first time it is, and this is purely from my perspective, but I feel like a lot of people who get into this just for like um, you know, just to just like you know, I just want to play, I just want to get in and play. Everyone, you want to you know play as many different things to try and get your feels out for you know I want to play this race, I want to play this class, that yeah. kind of stuff. Imagine getting into it and not liking it. You know, because yeah. you've never played, hey, yeah. I've never played, you know, this high elf ranger before. And then you're like, I hate how this plays. It's not how I wanted it in my head. Yeah. And now I'm locked into a 700 hour campaign with these <laughs> homies. You know, we're not re rolling these characters. I'll give, you know what? I'll give Curse of Strahd as a module credit, though. That is a, I believe, after like the second or third session, when the players start to realize how fucking long this this yeah. will be. This is uh, this is the one thing that Curse of Stroud has on a bunch of the other modules. You can write out a player a player build you don't like and bring in a new one. Strictly on the off the on the principle that Stroud can rock up and f- fucking push your shit in whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I'll give I'll give Curse of Stroud over any other module is you do have the capability to do that. And then and give the fucking character sheet to the DM, make you a recurring antagonist, yeah. a fucking strong slave man. That'd be mm. fucking cool. I think um, probably one of my biggest worries with the fact that there is at the beginning such a not a high chance. It sort of depends on how your party's developed and what sort of level of of expertise your players are and how they can finesse things. But with that sort of towing the line of it being a fat chance you might TPK. I find that uh, audaciously cheeky given the fact that it'd be kind of really hard to bring a new player character in. You're in a pocket dimension. You're closed off from everywhere else. Whatever new character you bring in has to already pre-exist within Barovia. But can't you use that to insert a character? I guess it just depends on how you write it. Insert a character into a side quest and have them already existing in the universe be their reason for already knowing everything the party knows without having to have them be think, in the story yeah i think with a module that big you could if you want to take on the extra work mm. if you want if you want to take the extra two hours 
just to write a literally a fucking quick little one hour banger of a fucking mission yeah. where this player just gets to introduce. And you know what the best thing is? They can have a completely backwards fucking reason for being in Barovia. They could literally go, hey man, I was traveling from one town and my fucking pet bird flew off. I was traveling. I was born here. I'm an adventurer on the same quest as you. All my party died. You, you literally, know? yeah, you literally could. Hey, that's funny because that little guy dropped a letter off to my tavern as well. Like, in a different town, X town here. Yeah. Oh, see, there are ways around it. No, I, I've been humbled. No, definitely. I grew up in the hood, baby. I get around everything. <laughs> Loopholes. Loopholes. I guess my, my greatest concern with the initial thought of that was that you'd kind of be um, restricted to what you could then play. What you could manipulate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, definitely if you're creative enough, you could definitely finesse around it and definitely get player satisfaction as well as story yeah. continuity by bringing someone in after someone TPK. Well, if someone dies. I'm um, autistic, man. I'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> He's eating glue. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, it's smell good. But yeah, if, if, I think I think as long as you're ready to put the work in, you can, you can find a way around it. Anytime. 100%. Like any time. All right, so, you know, we've, we've been speaking about this, every facet of this cacophony of <laughs> mischief. <laughs> oh. I thought we were confident in somewhere, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, and this this one took a weird turn too, because it's more because obviously there's so much to cover in it. It's like so we, much. We sort of took it on, you know, Sky's, the fact that she's run it. Mm. to us not running it and sort of having an idea. I think this one, especially this episode specifically, is different because whereas um, me and Cody were talking about expansions to a game, uh, Sky was talking about... An adventure. An adventure inside of an existing game kind of thing, you know? Uh, But i got some questions here that I want to run past you guys. Yo. Um, Okay, first one is... I just labeled it viability. Viability. Viability or um, I guess just worth. Um, and I've broken this into two different categories. Um, Ability the to first purchase. one I'll go into is um, for for a DM, for the forever DM, you know, or the person who enjoys writing stories, DMing, can do it all, um, you know. Is this um, a worthy buy? Forever DM? Yes. Intermediate DM, new DM? No. No, okay. I, I I don't even think I have to add on to that. I think it's like you've you've got to have a good idea mm-hmm. of being able to run a world that exists outside of the bubble of the players, mm-hmm. which is something I've had to learn doing our campaign without ever having to run this module. Yeah, it's like and time isn't freezing with like no, outside the, the party. Exactly, like the, the world, world is, doesn't pause. The world yeah. doesn't pause. Yeah. Um, let's just um, how much is the how much is this going to set you back? Is, like, if we get this version that we're looking at right here, the um, average is out about 110 bucks. Uh, 110, 120-ish, give or take. Yeah, depending on which um which place you get it from. Um, yeah, I think mine was 119 from Gameology in Melbourne, but they're like a <laughs> warehouse retail, so they don't have to have a big. I got mine from Zing, and I'm pretty sure it was 120 dollars. <laughs> yeah, but well, my first one I got from Zing. And then I sold it. And then I bought that one from Gameology because I was like, fuck it, I want to have it for a collector's piece. I want it again. I, I want just it literally again. got it for the deck. Now, um, is this worth it for someone who does not DM and only plays? I oh. think um, if you're buying it as a player, 
and you mm-hmm. kind of like want to buying this for um just giving it a good read having a look through having a look through everything but you're never going to run it for people and you're never going to use any of it but just so you can explore the law it kind of the, the collector's kind of um player or you know if you're a hardcore collector yes i think yeah. this is a must-have piece Absolutely. a great show piece huh but, especially yeah. in a coffin Yes. Um, But if you're someone who simply just likes to um, read the modules and the campaigns and the lore around them, just get the hardcover. Mm -hmm. It... On it... Or literally just get the download of it on D&D Beyond. You can get just the... Just the book. Yeah. Um, You can buy just the hardcover book and mm -hmm. you can just get the digital copy from D&D Beyond. Literally just get Mm -hmm. that. And I'd, I'd probably actually recommend that as well for some DMs who... Because if you're trying to save money or budget or you're not sort of interested in the sort of bits and pieces of bells and whistles, for starters, the extra books you get with it are compacted into the hardcover anyways that's not the collector's edition um even though you don't get the deck you can just substitute it for a normal deck and it shows you how to do that so you have pretty much everything Mm. you need um and you just don't get all that extra shit but if you don't want all that extra shit honestly the collector's edition not worth the money if you're not gonna like obsess over all the bells and whistles Mm. but if you like collecting it definitely get the collector's edition showing that like the book by itself um I don't know. I just go off the Amazon price usually. Um, is is going to run you back about fifty bucks? Yeah, that's that's well rounded. That's mm. about what you'd pay. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For most um, of your hardcovers, at least. Definitely. Um, okay, and um, and you touched on it a bit, Cody. Who is who is this made for? This is made for the experienced. This, this is, is this is my first go around the block with Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, this is to me. To me, and again, I say this because I was, I was that guy that was like, yeah, like I love gothic horror, and I was like, as like I know this is literally just D and D's version of Bram Stoker's Dracula, mm-hmm. and I'm cool with that. And it was my first time really DM, like, actually, it was yeah, it was my first time ever DMing, and it was just a lot, man. Mm-hmm. I would say this is just for an intermediate DM who wants to really get into fucking putting their big boy pants on, mm-hmm. or a vet who's done this 101 times. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. just... Because for a new player, it is fucking intimidating. And if it's intimidating for you as a DM, it's going to be intimidating for your players. And Ooh, it, will, yeah. it will carry over. And then, I'm not saying not everyone will have fun, but it'll be a bit of a slog when you're mm-hmm. trying to go back and, like, fix stuff you fucked up or anything yeah, It like definitely that. seems like um, this campaign would be the most fun with a DM who really just knew, just knew every little nook, cranny, tip, trick, 100%. bang. This the is one of the modules. DM screen is like up yeah. here with all the mm. fucking notes. Just three DM screens stacked on top yeah. of each other. <laughs> with clips. That way you can fit the map behind it. There you go, Sky. <laughs> fucking uh, hell. The solution. You got to buy three of these. That'll just run you back three hundred and sixty dollars. <laughs> Please um, no. Um, Please. <laughs> actually, no. Wizards of the Coast. You're welcome. <laughs> now everyone who's listening is gonna buy three copies. <laughs> Oh fuck! Um, what so C hire this guy? We want so. <laughs> I just got an email. They want me to do the job. We haven't even put this out to print yet. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. And then, um, because we touched on it a little bit, and I don't know what your guys' experience of it is, but I thought I'd note it down and just ask your opinions of it. Um, is it back? Is it worth going back 
to just that Ravenloft story. Um, like the original, the OG story that introduced like Strahd, right? Or just the characters or the, the vampire. Yeah, right, right, right. Like the original. Yeah. Ravenloft. And like, I know this is an episode on Ravenloft, but do you think that as far as this universe goes, this is just all kind of a player needs? Do you think that's worth looking into at all? I'm pretty sure Ravenloft was 3E release. Um, um, ew! <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, you want to talk about 3E? I watched a video of Brendan Lee Mulligan from Dimension 20 doing an interview with one of the um, uh, ladies who does a lot of the interviews for D&D on their YouTube. They've they've do a, done a 15-year-long 3.5 campaign. Fucking hell. You want to talk about fucking you? Bro, <laughs> bro 15 years of that. And I, I see some people think 3.5 is like, so good and then i hear other people go it's fucking trash i don't uh, know how to feel there are there are an entire community of people who just refuse to move on from 3.5 which is fine you do you um if, if that's which one did also- they get rid of thaco in uh that was ts that was first edition <laughs> thaco yeah that's the that's the only thing i know about old D thaco 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 so um it was which is, which is numbers like, like the chance to hit armor class zero, yeah. Right? To hit armor class zero, yeah. No, no, yeah. To hit armor class, um, was it zero? Yeah, I think yeah. Oh, bro. Because I just remember playing Baldur's Gate, and I just thought I saw Thacko, and I was like, I've heard people say this. <laughs> I've heard people say this word and say it was bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I I started that tangent. That's my fault. But um, but yes. So do you think that? Um, it's worth looking into it at least. Oh, if you liked this, well, I'm looking like as an example, publication 1983 to 2021 systems, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first and second editions, D and D third edition, D twenty system, and D and D version three point five and fifth edition. So there has been a redo of this for every major system update from generation one to now. Can you re- repeat the question? <laughs> I don't know. My, the question, I guess, doesn't even need to have an answer because I guess none of us really know. Oh, um, but um, it, it, is Ravenloft worth? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. Because um, essentially all the renditions that came after it was Ravenloft just expanded. So if you wanted to go all the way back, depending on like how you fare with the system that it belonged mm-hmm. in at the time it was released. Yeah, the system plays a, a, a part in yeah. which generation or system, sorry. Exactly. No, no, 100%. Um, if you're fine with the system that it's playing in, then Ravenloft, at the end of the day, is the core of what Curse of Strahd is built off of. So I reckon like for funsies, you could definitely visit it. Mm. Um, but you're going to get, because of the way they kept with the original creators every time they revamped this and checked everything by them, you're still going to get that that experience of what Ravenloft was intended to be through the later renditions through Curse of Strahd Collector's Edition. Mm. So um, if you're a collector or you're just curious, 100% get it. It's a fan favourite. Everyone loves it. Everyone's loved every mm. rendition of it. Um, but if you just want to get the one and done, just get Curse of Strahd. Okay. Um, and then one of the last ones, um, replayability. Because we touched on it a little bit at the start. It hurts. Replayability is definitely a major factor. Curse with of Stride is one of the only few modules where you can run it multiple times. Well, that's yeah, what I was going to say. With, yeah. the, with the other ones yeah. that you get, um, that's why like, I asked a question ages ago, like replayability, my first one. Um, can you really replay 
those other stories as much as you could this one? Not as much this one, no. Mm. And is that just because of these cards here? The cards and, in <laughs> the my length. opinion, the, the length, yes. Players' choices about how they want to interact with the map. And in my opinion, if your DM's really good at it, the fact that you can change the personality of Strahd Von Zarevich as a character from session one all the way to session 90 or session 100, you know how many fucking mm-hmm. sessions it takes. You can play him as this super smooth-talking, charismatic character. Like have him show growth as it goes and like... Yeah, literally. Of all like, his character. And you can and you can even play it that as you guys progressively get stronger as players, that he devolves into an animal and becomes mm. aggressive and bestial, you know what I mean? And just mm. starts, instead of relying more on the fact that he was a he was a soldier and he was an excellent swordsman, the fact that he can just fucking tear you apart. The, the replayability for, like, this one, absolutely. There's mm. probably only one module that I think could come close to that, and that would be Wild Beyond the Witchlight, because Wild Beyond the mm. Witchlight has the ability for a pacifist run. You can play the entire one of that without ever getting into a fight or killing something. Which is actually one that I really want to do. I really want to do a while before you buy on that one because that one's phenomenal. And like, I some of the stuff in it's just cool. But um, I'll start writing it up. Yeah, the replayability in Curse of Stride is incredible. A hundred percent. No, I, I agree. I think um, the replayability also comes down to not just the module itself, but the DM. This is definitely a campaign that is subject to the DM style. Um, this can either have really poor replayability just because it is such a long slog Mm. if you've got um uh, a dm who might be like very by the book um probably maybe a one and done would probably be fine if it if there wasn't a lot of finessing and sort of switching things up and really going out of your way for your players to make sure every time you replay it it is going to be like a new and different experience but if you've got a like a dm who's going to put in that work the replayability of curse of Strahd can be phenomenal you can you could pretty much get almost a different campaign every single time mm. um depending on how much work you wanted to put into it or what was explored in your in your prior campaigns mm. that you've run through um but yeah definitely good re- replayability for this I would say subject to DM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. And um. Uh, uh. One one sentence answers for these ones, please. Um. Well, just for this one. Is it worth it to only play through it once? Is it worth it if you're only gonna use it or play through it once? Hardcover, yes. Collector's edition, no. Ignoring the collector's thing? Yes. Because it's such a long adventure that it'll be one you remember for forever, mm. in my opinion. Absolutely. And okay. this come from the guy that never, never finished it. Yeah. And then... Um, barely started it. And then we'll go with just the, the ultimate question, um, which, hey, you're not restrained to one sentence anymore. I'll, I'll, release, I'll release you. Um, is, is it worth it? The ultimate question, the penultimate question of this episode, of the entire show that we're here to do... Um, Cody, is it worth it? Yeah. Again, if you if you want to give it a crack and you know what you're doing, yeah. You want a good gothic horror campaign? Yes. Veteran DMs that just want to fucking slog out a huge campaign? Yes. I think the pros just outweigh the cons. Mm. So yes, I think it's worth it. And your um, your rating out of uh, ten coffins? Out of ten. <laughs> 
of Knives, I'll go a solid eight. Eight coffins. Eight coffins out of ten. Excellent. Again, just knocking the two off because of the slug. The slug fest to get there. Mm. Like, like the the slug and the um the limitation to new players. Yes, that's that's yeah, it. Thank you. Yeah, the slug fest, mm. the the absolute fucking gauntlet that you have to fight mm. through, and then new players. It it's very exclusive to higher up players, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Are there um sorry to, to cut in just before your answer, Sky? Just a little mm-hmm. bookmark there, bookmarked. Um, just put a little pin in your right there. <laughs> um, is are there options uh, at all for changing up the encounters, like making them harder? If you're if you think it's going to be, oh, a you bit can definitely easier. scale them. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah, sure. yeah, that's not written in, but it's just something up to the DM's discretion. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. Um, just making sure. And then Sky, is this, is it worth it? Um, if we're talking about the collector's edition specifically, mm-hmm. um, we'll start with that. Yeah. I think yes. If you, it's it's not about what uh, uh, you can do for Curse of Strahd. It's what Curse of Strahd can do for you. Um, if you, my fellow Americans, <laughs> my fellow Americans, um, there is such capability especially playing in person to run such a thematic and immersive game with mm. this, especially if you get the collector's edition with all the bells and whistles, you can really immerse your players in it um, and really make it worth that grind and that hard slog. Um, it does require quite a bit of effort on the DMs part, especially in the beginning. And then once your players start to come more on board, it does become a share lo- um, shared load. Um, but the capacity for how immersive and thematic it can be, a hundred percent worth the buy for collector's edition if you're going to utilize it to its full potential. Um, so, like, out of ten coffins, I'd probably give it a nine. Give it a nine. Nine. Um, that's pretty crazy. Uh, just what about to, you, well, just before we get to me, I I keep thinking of all these new questions as it comes because I'm I'm kind of sitting in as as well as sitting in like the awesome. ca- the captain's chair. I'm because I've never played it. Um, I wouldn't call it. I did playing it, playing it, or even looked at it. Um, for, no, this so this is ran it? No, it's yeah. pretty much like this is me getting to sit in um, on an episode and just ask questions. Um, is this a RPing character story or a sit along for the ride story? How much room is there for for role playing in this and really just getting into your character? Or is this just built to war- around? You're in a party. You think as the party. You are the meld. Um, how much ex- room is there in this for uh, you know character exploration? And I know it's up to the DM and how much they can do with it. But how much does this let you um, really like role play, get into it, and explore your universe? Heaps. There is with the right DM. With with that already mm. a prerequisite phenomenal capacity um the amount of npcs you can interact with the um, diversity of the situations you find these um npcs in and their diversity of like personalities and the tasks that they have to hand you and the things you can follow through on it is endless like it the role-playing capacity for it given the right idea and i stress this because there is also a possibility to railroad Mm. role-play opportunities in this you 100% can um you can really can in your players with this one if you really wanted to um but with the right dm phenomenal role-playing um uh possibilities i i think it's definitely one of the best up there for the, for that kind of stuff do you think that um the perfect storm for this campaign is 
everyone's already experienced and played it maybe like five years ago. So it's like, it's in their head. They remember how much fun they had with it. They remember the themes and they're like, hey, let's revisit this. We're all gonna just really just nail down and just write a character that's gonna fit perfectly into this world. Do you reckon that's like the perfect storm? Oh, 100%. Um, I, I also reckon um, maybe a good mix of people that did play it a while ago um, or even recently with people who've never played it before mm. just because there's so many loopholes and plot hooks and stuff and like that. there's callbacks you were talking about before. Yeah, like, and the foreshadowing's fantastic. Mm. Um, it's, even as a fellow player who's played it before and then I played it again with people who had never played it before, I couldn't imagine how satisfying it would have been for the DM like let alone because as a player watching new players be all like <gasps> like when like you know something would pop up or you know it'd be something they didn't expect or it was a, you know a loophole or a plot hook and they'd just be so like shooketh by it mm. that was really satisfying to watch as well so i think it's also a really good um campaign if you got some um, more experienced players and they've never played it before i reckon that's also a fantastic setting to do it in all right excellent um just quickly, uh, I will touch on my opinion. Um, I liked it. I really like the sound of this um, this story. I love that whole, I love that that little facet, tree branch, whatever you want to call it, of high fantasy. I love like vampires and werewolves. and like gothic horror. Gothic yes. horror, yeah. And, you know, your witches, your zombies, your lycanthropes, whatever. Um, I love that. I love that. Uh, it's super cool. Um, it definitely seems daunting. Um, and I'd, I'd love to give it a go one day. Um, yeah, one same. day. One day. Um, I'll run it for you. You know? Hell excellent. yeah. Sweet. Um, just me and Cody. <laughs> oh my God. No, um, I'm not running with only two players. Well, you You'll die. You trust us? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll both play two characters each. I don't think you understand. I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> like, like, each oh. of my split personalities will get a character, don't worry. <laughs> Um, this you know, it seems dope other than uh, like what Cody spoke about and just the all I can really think of, of like the negatives is like the setbacks to to new players mm. and the the limitations of if you really want all this cool stuff but like the money is an issue because like I think this is and I just don't know I just don't know is this the most expensive expansion thingy for D&D if that's we full are, of content if we are talking Wizards of the Coast specifically mm-hmm. as a module, I believe yes. Mm. If we are talking about outside of Watsy, no. Beetle and Grim, uh, Beetle Beetle and Grimm's, uh, I believe their Ravenloft pack is upwards of four hundred and thirty dollars Australian. Actually, I'm going to double check that right now. Like, if you guys have the chance, go on and look at um, Beetle and Grimm's on uh, the internet. And look at their Ravenloft stuff. It is fucking insane. Yeah, Beetle and Grimm's Pandemonium Warehouse. And that's um, co-owned by Matthew Lillard, believe it or not, if anyone who didn't know that. I don't know who that is. <laughs> that's, that's Shaggy from the Shaggy. Oh. Sorry, I only know him as Shaggy. Here we go. Premium In box editions. Um, here we go. I'm finding it. Silver edition of Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft is 250 Australian dollars. The legendary edition is five hundred and thirty-nine Australian dollars. I'ma drop so much fucking money on that. And they do one for everything. And the you got to give Beale and Grimm's credit too because all of their like premium box sets 
come with a map for like nearly every encounter. They come with like cards and all that sort of stuff. Like, I feel like running Curse of Strahd with the Legendary Edition from Beetle and Grimms would actually make your life a little bit easier, but you just get more shit. <laughs> like, it's fucking wild. I'd just be in a state of constant overwhelmed. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I think it's cool. Uh, I definitely give this, you know, at minimum eight coffins out of ten. Um, and I, I'm I'm super hyped to to one day just be approached and be like, "Hey, dude, do you want to play Curse of Strahd? I cannot wait. Yeah, for that. I would be fan. That, that'd be a cool that. one. That's a that's a Blood Wizard build for me for sure. Oh, cool. We should play all of those ex- like oh. those Blood classes from um. Oh, Hemocraft classes. Could you imagine that? Mm. Um, blood cleric. Even like Blood like the Moon like Moon whatever. Moon. It was like a Moon. The moon. Uh, it was one of the was druid like classes. Druid? Where it was um like the blood moon. The blood moon. I was thinking it's like circle of the moon for so long. I'm like, no, that's not it. Um, yeah, I think that they'd be really, really tight. Um, oh, that's so cool. God, but, yeah, you've got me so excited. <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> um, but you know that's where we're probably going to call it for this episode of Why Before You Buy on, um, the Curse of Strahd. Revamped collector's edition. Revamped collector's coffin edition. <laughs> um. <laughs> You know, um, if you guys enjoyed what you heard, consider signing up to the Patreon, giving us a follow on all our socials. Um, we're on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram. www.patreon.com forward slash O-D-A-M-O for sure. But Cody, at this point in time, at this point in time, how many Patreons do we have, baby? We have two. Two! <laughs> <laughs> Excited R2-D2 noise. <laughs> So we have Jake C. We've gone up by 100%. <laughs> and we have Shannon King, who is actually a very good friend of mine. Liam's from school. Was you that guys a are so Legends. cool. Yeah, you Please, you're so cool. But yeah, if you subscribe to the Patreon, you get access to the Discord, where you can chat with us about this stuff and episodes afterwards. Um, question, um, higher tiers, you can submit questions for... Um, our back chats and why before you buy us, all that sort of stuff. We also put up questions and polls asking like what you want to see, what you want to choose out of um, products we review and all that sort of stuff. Also, if you are subscribed to the Patreon, we don't um, offer constructive criticism because we're sensitive. Joking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But I don't, I don't know. know I don't, I got, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know how to read women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad there was a big gap because there's a perfect window for me to just cut that out. <laughs> Fair enough. And we also have, um, we also have, blah, 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 uh, on Facebook, it's just of Dice and Magic with the ampersand and our Instagram is of Dice and Magic with and because it doesn't link with the ampersand for some reason. Mm. Instagram fixes shit. Um, Please, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> don't take that personally. Instagram. <laughs> uh, he owns Instagram as well. What? Facebook don't own- mention him, he'll suck us. Facebook owns Instagram. That's why you can share things to Instagram and to Facebook in one. And that's why it's all intertwined now. Why you messenger and your Instagram? Welcome to the metaverse. Moves. Yeah, making money moves. Mm. Um, Red bottoms. <laughs> what about what about a, a couple of shout outs, Cody? What about a shout out? Where do we get all our dice from, Cody? We get our dice from Bree at underscore dive the beholder underscore on Instagram or dive the beholder on Facebook. Um, we've got worth looking into that. We've one. got custom sets. Um, well, actually, before that, Brie has actually just come back from Comic-Con. I believe it was the con that just mm-hmm. happened here. It was. And then we, um, us three specifically, are going to the, I think we're doing Sunday for Supernova next month. 
Who knows? Because that's Who the knows? day where I might even I might even I'll just be there both days. Nice. I'll just be there both days. But you know, we're gonna like we're gonna hang out with Bree at her booth, and we're gonna walk around, check all the table stops, uh, tabletop game stuff out, and because they've actually expanded on a lot of those bits there, mm. and you know, just chat shit about D and D, you know, hang out. Oh, I bought my ticket today. Sorry. Whoa, you should have told me. I would have bought mine too. You should have told us. This throuple is <laughs> not built on throuple. It's not built on secrets. Um, but yes, we will be there. And do you know what's cool? Is I reckon when we come back from Supernova, um, we can do a special little episode of, you know, one like a, a not even a why before you buy. Why before you buy for, for those type of events? You know, those type of events, the stuff we saw. Yeah. Is it worth it? You know, because a lot of people, and me personally, I'm into all of this stuff that you're going to see at, at a supernova or a con. I'm into all that nerdy stuff. I'm into anime. I'm into comics. I'm into, you know, cartoons. I'm into movies. I'm into everything. I'm into d and I'm into video games. All of it. But I've never been to any type of con or supernova or anything of that type of magnitude. So I think it would be super cool if we do a little special episode. Not even a special episode, just an episode for the special people who listen because we love you. And just talk about our experiences at the con and how, how it was. Basically like a like a like a, a recap of our time at the con a recap. and all the cool stuff that we yeah. saw. Yeah, that'd be cool. Hundred percent, yes. Um, definitely yeah, seemed like there was more to that. Um, <laughs> but that's good. Um who are some other shout outs, Cody? What are we doing? Um uh Seb Make Stuff. So seb.makes.stuff on Instagram and on YouTube. It's just Seb Make Stuff. He started his YouTube channel building an entire game board for Wild Beyond the Witchlight. And when I was stuck at home with COVID, um, I actually started making our terrain boards for our games. So you guys can have some reference when we play. And I tagged him and me and him have been chatting back and forth. And um, we actually talked to each other regarding our build for... I built a little carousel and he built a little carousel and we were trading off photos. So that's going to be really cool. If you listen, you should go watch that because he makes some really cool stuff. Uh, I guess we'll also do Reckless Creatures. Reckless Creatures. I was just about to say. Uh, as always, because they do really cool stuff and their shirts are sick. They, it's very sick topical threads. that we're doing It's very topical we're doing Curse of Strahd because Strahd's actually the next design that's meant to be coming out. Ooh. So that will be very cool. Oh, Please, Sky. Like Sky's bank account is crying. <laughs> Weeping. But yeah, they do some hectic stuff. It's really cool. Notebooks, hoodies, t-shirts, uh, coffee mugs. It's so sick. Like a mimic. There's a Demogorgon. Soon to be Strahd. Uh, Tiamat was one as well. The Tiamat looks like a metal t-shirt from the 90s. It's great. Very cool. And I guess the... Um, and Cloud Kill Clothing. They're the one we've been sharing out as well. Because they do some um, really cool like semi-retro inspired D&D clothing which has been sick uh, like little 8-bit monsters and yes. um, they just did the Wizarding School crew next that we were looking at mm, so which cool. are Gangsta and I don't know if I missed something we did the whole the Reckless Creature Michael Gelfi yeah we use Michael Gelfi music for all of our special effects I obviously we don't put them in these episodes because we're not doing anything like but you got a shout out to the OGs yeah shout out to the OGs definitely 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 but yeah Sky anything you want to shout out what about what about Metallic Thunder podcasts for all your podcasting needs. Motherfucker. How about that one? That's <laughs> Every pretty Every time cool. it always catches me off. You sound like a Spotify ad when you say that. Hey, guys. <laughs> sorry to interrupt your regularly programmed listening. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm nervous. <laughs> um, for your podcasting needs, Metallic Thunder Podcast. Look them up, look them up on the socials, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, we got it. Sky? 
I have nothing to plug at this point in time. Excellent. Anyway, thanks guys. So thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, you know, let us know uh, if you have any questions about Curse of Strahd, because I'm sure our expert Sky here will be more than happy to answer them. Um, if you're in the Discord, pop them in there. Um, but if you guys want to hear us review one of your favorite expansions or stories, anything D&D related or content related, we're more than happy to have a look into it and do one of these little why before you buys about it. Um, so reach out to us. We're more than happy to help out there. Anything else you guys want to add? No, I think that's us. No, you summed that up perfectly. That's us. Thanks so much, guys, for listening to another episode of Why Before You Buy. This is Dyson Magic signing out. See ya. Lightest.